Okay, I got to look at the etymology of the word closer because isn't there what's the term? I got to get this right. Well, the of, so, and that's the it, weird thing about this is the song is closer, right? Yet we put it after opener, exactly. So as a joke, it's also known as closer. Right. And what is that? <laughs> is that that's not that's an a palindrome? Palindrome. I think it's a palindrome, it. or I think I was uh, there was actually a um, there was is it a palindrome? I thought I thought that was forward and backwards. Uh, you are right. So, uh, uh, homonym? maybe, uh, isn't it? Remember 30 rock had a sketch, uh, <laughs> where they were talking about all the stupid NBC shows and, uh, they cut to one. I think it was called homonym and it was like spell, but it was the other way around. Oh, yeah. It was like there and yeah. they were like T H E R E. Nope. It's the other one. And it was always <laughs> Nope. It's the other one. And they had the host on that episode was, um, uh, the head writer of SNL, uh, and he's also Jimmy Kim, Jimmy Fallon's sidekick, um, on the Tonight Show. Uh, God, what's that guy's name? He's on everything. He's got that weird voice, right? The high pitched voice. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Fallon's sidekick. His Steve Higgins. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, he he plays the ho- in that episode of Thirty Rock. He plays the the host of Homonym. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but maybe it also falls in. Oh, wait. Well, no. A homophone is like eight and eight. Add and add. Blue and blue. Yeah. Oh, I gotta switch AirPods. Hold on. So what's homophone? Then what's the homo homonym? Well, we go to homonyms broadly defined are words which sound alike or are spelled alike but have similar meanings. So it seems to fall under that okay. guise. So yeah. it is a homonym. Yes. As opposed to a homophone, which which audibly sounds. Similar. Uh, there's no there's no likeness ho- in spelling. The, on Hom- the homonym Wikipedia page, right. homophone is not on there once, which seems strange. Well, I'm looking on so Google, the genius of Google is showing me examples of homophones, and every one of them has different spelling, same pronunciation. Oh, here we go, here we go. And then yeah, there is on um on the homonym Wikipedia page. This is good content. We gotta cut this in somewhere. Oh, this um, is definitely going in. is homonym has a different meaning with the same spelling and pronunciation a homophone has different meaning no requirement on spelling but the same pronunciation oh so what we want is a heteronym a heteronym oh my gosh you know what what i saw that and i thought it was wrong i saw that on reddit go ahead continue a heteronym is different meaning, same spelling, but different pronunciation. Oh. That is what this song, Closer and Closer, is. <laughs> but it also could be a polyseme, or polysemi, or polyseme, I believe, P-O-L-Y-S-E-M-E, which is different but related meaning, but Closer and Closer are not different but related meanings. Ah. Um, and then a capitonym is different when capitalized meaning and has the same spelling except for capitalization. Like, I guess him in the Bible or he in the Bible when they capitalize it means uh, God. Right. But it's, it's that, so that same. would be a capitonym. Cap, cap, I mean, we're here, we're here to learn how to speak, right? <laughs> this is very, yeah, this is very important. Um, and then what else is there? I mean, we all know synonyms and antonyms. And then auto antonym is opposite meanings with the same spelling. Wow. Let's look up some famous auto auto antonyms. Auto antonyms. So 
God. Multiple meanings, which means one is the reverse of the other. Cleave can mean to cut apart or to bind together. Interesting. I've, I've never heard of cleaving something together, but. And look, there's a Bible. Man, this is one Christian episode. The King James <laughs> Bible often uses let in the sense of forbid, a meaning which is now uncommon and which is derived from Old English verb letten, hinder, delay, impede, oppress, as opposed to the meaning allow, which is derived from the Old English verb. Okay, this is too much, but that, I guess, let also counts as an auto antonym but most importantly today we've learned that a that closer and closer are heteronyms to each other because they have different meanings with the same spelling and different pronunciation thank you and good night (laughs) that's our podcast bye-bye that was awesome That's how we should just, we just just cold open the pod with that episode. And now everyone knows what song we're doing. Yeah, we're doing closer <laughs> or closer, depending on which, uh, which you know, perspective you want to have on that. And the only reason it's that way in the list is because it came after opener. <laughs> yes, and rightly so. So you can have, you can have as much fun or I you hope can you were recording because I was. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I was definitely recording. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> so I guess we should jump into it. This sure. is from the 2005 EP, Stay On My Side Tonight. Which rules. Yeah, the whole that whole EP is really well done. Uh, they had the one cover on there, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm, uh, eventually. Which I didn't I didn't know. You had know, you no hear idea. Them talk about, you, t- you hear them talk about in um I can't in the, the name of the songs escaping me when they talk about the heat miser, your favorite heat miser song. Right, yeah. Yeah, well, and that's then I had a heat no miser idea song until later. Maybe it was when I was looking at it, Wikipedia just didn't have information on Heat Miser at the time. Um and then I think Heat Miser is that's a band, but it's a reference to a some sort of like horror movie thing. And anyway, I want to eventually have uh, my buddy Robert on the show to talk about it because he's he loves horror movies, knows almost nothing about Jimmy Eat World. So that's going to be a great guest. Oh, good, good. <laughs> and just to think, and he doesn't uh, even know much about that that whole he miser thing. He he's just who I associate with horror movies. So unless we can get the guy who I, again, I don't know. I don't know if he miser is a person, place or thing or idea. But right. if we could get the guy that plays heat miser, then maybe Robert doesn't have to be on that show. But because <laughs> I looked up when I was looking up heat miser, what came up was the actual the device, which is essentially it's just a room thermostat. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, because any, anything miser, mi- anything see, yeah. miser yeah, is like manager. Mm. And I was trying to think of this the other day. Uh, mon- the difference you know, we're going to go on this word exploration here the difference between <laughs> miser and, and monger because you hear fear monger uh-huh. uh, and then I thought about heat miser and I thought well mongering is like generating and formulating yeah you're creating well, this but yeah, miser now is that- <laughs> management of something that exists so Man, that's now some- that we are down the heat miser <laughs> rabbit hole, it is not heat miser. You're right. It's heat miser. And it's from a stop motion animation thing that looks way bizarre. Um, and uh, so you're talking about he miser. No, I was not. I was okay. mispronouncing heat miser oh, and heat miser. The band is one word. Heat Miser, the character, is a stop-motion animation character from something else, and we'll definitely get into that when we cover <laughs> okay. both the Heat Miser cover and uh, is it a, a authority song or praise chorus that he says? Uh, it's It's got to be praise chorus. Yeah. So anyway, we'll get to it eventually. 
All of that said, how about this jam? <laughs> this is my favorite jam off of this EP. Uh, and it, I was looking yeah. at a lot of the comments on, on Reddit just to see what people were saying about it. Yeah, what'd, and, you, uh, what'd you dig that, up? That one, the whole album does get some love. Like they said, you know, but Closer seems to be the, the top hit off of that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my, my initial thought of this was when I first heard it, uh, my, the part where I started paying attention was toward, toward the end, right before they, they break down for the last time. But it's that, it's that soaring guitar. You know, and you wonder how, how Jim or Tom get that sound out of the guitars, what they do. Yeah. But it's just, it's just, it's, and I'll get into it. I have a little bit of an example of wh- whenever I hear this specific portion of that gu- little guitar exploration, um, the, the jazz exploration, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what it sounds like to me, because it's, it's such a, it's toward the very end of it when it gets really high up there in the, on, on the fret, mm-hmm. on the fretboard. Uh, but this one is my favorite. And uh, it's it's a jam. I probably listened to it 20 times today preparing for this episode. Yeah. And I never once kind of got tired of it. And it it's got two bridges, which is so sick. And then I know it's so simple, but that's almost what makes it so well done is Zach's little like drum hit into that soaring guitar. If you can get through listening to this song without air drumming that right. part. <laughs> right under your desk, man. Yeah, man. Oh, it's such a, like, it's just such a dope hit. And then he's just riding on the crash like crazy. Man, Zach kills it in this song. Yeah, he does. This is a pretty interesting drum riff to keep going through. Because I was trying, yeah. in the car, and I, you know, I try not to do it because it's, <laughs> it's, what, it's a form of distracted driving. But sure. But there's that I try to do this role. And if you could see me, it almost looks like I'm sewing something in a circle just with how I, I assume he plays. I don't you know, I don't play the drum. So I just imagine from what I'm hearing and how he plays it. And then he comes back to that hi hat and just sits on it and goes. Tss. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty I mean, it's it's not it's not anything super flashy, but it's also not easy. No, it, it's it's a um, it's knowing what is enough and doing the right thing. Because you could do another simple drum pattern in there that doesn't kill as much as that. Right. Right. Um, so I was looking at the writing. <laughs> I was looking at the writing credits. To oh, this. yeah. Uh-huh. And I don't know. I, I think I was on. It maybe may have been. Well, it's clearly not uh, genius. It might have been one of the other Lyric Find sites, something like Lyric Find or Metro uh-huh. Lyrics. And it gave writing credit to three people that I had not ever heard of before one that sounded familiar because of the last name. And I'm thinking maybe this is why they got flagged as writing credits. Philip uh-huh. Edward Galdston. Yeah. Okay. John Lind and Wendy Waldman. So each one of them have a, a profile on Discogs and you look at their profile and not only does Phil Galston look like um, Tom Hanks with a little bit of a, a pedo mustache, but <laughs> um, yeah, he does a lot of work with those two people. So Wendy Waldman and John Lind was the other one. They do a little Weird. bit, yeah. They do a little bit bigger production. So you look at his profile, and, and says, this isn't a cover, right? So who are these people, <laughs> right? And I'm thinking maybe because John Lind is in there, uh, maybe it got lumped in with Zach somehow by last name. Uh huh. That's what I was like. Is this like his cousin or something? Like, <laughs> right? Is it, could it be. Uh, Zach? Zach's dad was a, a professional baseball player in the minor leagues. Uh, what was his dad's name? Let me look it up. We need it. We I need mean, this guy wasn't Zach. a baseball player, was it? Right. No, it doesn't look like he <laughs> looks like he's been in the music industry the whole time. 
Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, his ba- baseball and his father. And his father, John's such a normal name. His, fun- his, his name father's is Jack- probably... Oh, Jack. Jack Lind. Yeah. Jack Lind. There you go. So it must just have been the last name that flagged that. Maybe. So, yeah, because I, I just did a Google search to follow along with you. And, yeah, it's definitely those three people. <laughs> yeah, right? But then you go on to Genius, and whoever annotated that or added it, they put in probably what's the proper writing credits of Jim, yeah. Tom, Rick. And, and again, and I am cleaning out my storage unit, and I still haven't found all of my physical CDs for Jimmy World. So they're somewhere. But well, they're probably in a, in a safer box that you thought, you know what, I'm going to need exactly. these I put it somewhere future. where I wouldn't lose it for sure. Right. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a just in an even better hiding spot then. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, now I'm following along. Here I am on Genius. Tight, yeah. tight, tight. Recorded at their studio, which is called Unit 2 in Tempe, and then Ocean Studios here in Burbank, California, where I'm recording right now. And that is amazing. Look at that. You were on the same, uh, I don't know. I'm breathing the same air they breathed not 14 years ago. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure because it's refiltered into that building. Mm -hmm, Totally. Uh, (laughs) And Unit 2, you said that's their recording studio? I believe that's what they call their recording studio. Interesting. So mm-hmm. by 2005, they had purchased their own. So the, is this when they began to self-produce then? So that's definitely one of the rabbit holes I want to get down. I believe that Bleed American was the first album that they went and self-produced and shopped around. And then when with that whole thing, that was a whole story around that record. Um, then and again, these are rumors that I'm hoping will go down the rabbit hole when we get there on those songs, every subsequent recording they have done 100% on their own and sold it to a record label for distribution because that gives them 100% creative control. They have no input from record labels about what right. songs should sound like or anything. The record labels buying the record from the band to distribute it, and which is a dope model. And again, yeah. that's the thing I always heard about Jimmy Eat World, but we'll obviously look into. But... A lot of their stuff is recorded on their own at their place. So I don't see a producer on this, though. Do you know who produced it? Yes, I do. Uh, Mark Trombino. Oh, sick. So this was them getting back with Mark Trombino. Yep. Who also produced, um, uh, uh, among other Jimmy World Records, uh, Clarity. Right. Um, Trombino did or did not do Bleed American? Well, it says... This one says um, produced by Mark Trombino and Jimmy Eat World. So maybe he consulted on a few tracks. I don't know if he did the whole Which is album. probably why they came down to Burbank. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Trombino is like, I, even though Trombino also worked with Blink-182, has Trombino worked with Weezer? Uh, let me look it up. Let me look up Weezer. Because I want to read I want to read one Mark Trombino fact every Oh, yeah, episode. for sure. Well, right. what I was going to say is like Blink-182 is very famous for working with Jerry Finn. And right. I would say that Jimmy Eat World is very famous for working with Mark Trombino, although they have not they have not worked together a lot recently. Mostly, I don't think Trombino's producing a lot of records. He's got his donut friend shop here in L.A. Yeah, um, right. But uh, but now they're doing a, a bunch of stuff with JMJ is like how people refer to him but he did paramours after laughter and he did that m83 record that blew up really big like that dude and he's been amazing for jimmy world everything that they've done with yeah him has been and great. to go back onto that the weezer thing now they've never worked with um with mark trombino. no okay so what's your what's your mark trombino factoid let's see uh so let's go to the mark trombino uh, wikipedia let's pick one 
Oh, nice. You know, so we'll, we'll just explain the whole donut friend thing. There's, there's one se- sentence on that, which mm-hmm. I was looking at the, um, the, uh, the, what's the emo podcast? <laughs> uh, what? Blink 155? No, 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 no. The, uh, the other one. Uh, oh, uh, um, uh, washed up emo. Yes. yes. So I was looking back into his catalog and uh-huh. he interviewed Mark Trombino and they talked explicitly about his, uh, his donut friend. So Trombino oh, recently nice. moved into the boutique food space, opening a donut shop called Donut Friend in the Highland Park neighborhood of Los Angeles. That's right. So Highland Park, that's a nicer area, right? Um, right? It <laughs> is up and coming for sure, which is yeah. like LA speak for where the hipsters live. Exactly. So it's a yeah, hipster town. <laughs> yeah. I actually, uh, he did a promo with, again, Blink-22, Mark Hoppus's clothing company, Hi, My Name is Mark, and I was able to drive over there on like my lunch break and I got a free hat. Oh, um, sweet. And then I bought donuts while I was there. What, it's like Was it a, a donut friend hat or was it some kind of Blink-22? No, it was a Hi, My Name is Mark hat. Oh, sweet. Um, which then I gave to my nephew because I was like, I probably won't wear this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a it's a good um, uh, neighborhood for that type of establishment for sure. It's like boutique coffee shops, boutique donut shops, boutique everything. So and, and the now there's a second I- location in downtown L.A. now that I have not okay. been to, but I believe it's a Grand Central Market. And they're good donuts. Oh, so good. Yeah. Oh, my God. All of their stuff. I forget what the Jimmy Eat World donut is. Let's look it up. Oh, man. There's donut a Jimmy friend um, menu. Um, they have um, a Blink 182 donut. It's called Bacon 182. It's like a maple <laughs> bacon uh, donut. My favorite Jimmy is Eat the swirl. Poppy Gandhi. It w- oh, it is. It is a it is a swirl. It's Jimmy Eat Swirl or something like that. <laughs> yes, Did you exactly already look it up? It yes. Fuck, you're way better at Google than I am. Um, and uh, my favorite is Poppy Gandhi. Which is a propagandi. Uh, yes. It's like a lemon poppy seed muffin. Oh, it's brilliant. Um, and uh, yeah, all of them are like all music related. There's uh, fun stuff to look at. And they they do um, specific ones for like like limited edition runs that they'll right. do that might end up working their way into the menu. But um, it's always fun to just pop your head in and see like what special ones they got drive like jelly which is a drive like jay right, yeah. so reference at, which was mark trombino's spin, band spin, right the spin article uh no i'm actually on the donut donut okay, website so on this they did a spin article yeah and so he was in drive like jehu right yes i believe so which always comes up when people talk about jimmy or when jimmy world's talking about their influences which is so cool that they ended up getting to work with mark Trombino. oh yeah that's gotta feel so good yeah so they've got they've got jimmy eats swirl bacon 182 jets to basil you could say Basile, <laughs> just <to> basil, <laughs> chocolate from the crypt, the gorilla biscuit, jelly sound, fudge gazi, <laughs> fudge gazi. That's it. <laughs> Drive like jelly, Gigi almond, and uh, and a, f- a few other rights of sprinkles. Rights of sprinkles. What, wait, what's the stiff little fingers one? Stiff little butterfingers, and it's got <laughs> crumpled up butterfinger on top. <laughs> Gosh, it's, it's brilliant. So good. Green Tegan and Sarah. <laughs> it's green Man. tea fritter seems forever <laughs> i think the puns are endless man oh my gosh so good anyway he's been killing it with donut friends so he doesn't need to produce records anymore right yeah so he's yeah he's moved into the confession business yeah. so there's our our random mark trombino fact for the day right yeah for sure <laughs> yeah i'm glad we got that one out of the way because i like that i wanted to know more about that uh that place yeah okay so this song, ooh, this is another f- 
fun little fact I learned about this album. This was the only, was it the only one? Oh, I know what you're um, going to say. Yeah, go ahead. The only album to feature a parental advisory. Yeah. Pretty sweet, huh? So they had the, yeah. just like Dr. Dre. So, you know, my, yeah, I, in I five songs, White. they like really ripped it up, man. Oh, yeah. And do you even know which song it was that had the had that? I want to say Disintegration because Disintegrations are pretty. Uh, I, when I was reading about the thing, I was like, oh, we'll get to it when we do Disintegration. But it was like these lyrics are very negative compared to other Jimmy World songs. But off the top of my head, I just can't remember. Yeah, I was going to look it up, but I didn't have the time. Yeah, we'll get to it. It's definitely not this song. <laughs> this is right. a nice, sweet little right. <laughs> ditty. Yeah. So this one I put in my notes here. Yeah, this was their second EP. Do you know what their first one was? Was it the open, the one with opener that we had, the singles? Oh, I mean, does that count as an EP? It's got like 11 tracks on it or something. Oh, does it? Yeah, yeah. I think that, that uh, falls out of the EP Jimmy category then. World EPs. Let's see. Uh, Discogs will tell us. Uh, stack prevails clarity, bleed American future, chase this light, clarity, life, and to damage. Oh, singles and EP. Oh, one, two, three, four was a seven inch. Then there was a split they did. Then they had the Christie front drive split. And then they had a blueprint split. And then a J June split. A ton of splits. Dude, J June again, man. I want, yeah. I want, I want every episode to have J June in it. Yeah. Until, <laughs> Jebita, until I, hear, I don't even uh, think I've heard any of their stuff, but I want to be able to. Jebediah split. Oh, there was the Good to Go EP. And the Good to Go EP had, oh, that's just a bunch of like early versions. It has Spangle on it, which was like the only song that wasn't an alternate. Oh, The Most Beautiful Things is also on it. So really, there's two out of seven songs that were like newish uh-huh. compared to like alt versions of other things, acoustics and live versions. Um, nothing Wrong was a promo. And then there was Stay on My Side, didn't they? I guess they're counting Good to Go. Which I guess I just hadn't really thought of in a while, but and good to go was in two thousand two. Okay, yeah, there it is. Jimmy World, good to go. Does it have the same cover as one of their other albums? Good to go looks like an alt shot from the Bleed American photo session. Okay, but it yeah. looks. Oh, you're right. You're right. It's when it's offset. It's kind of to the yep. left, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah. So that's their first EP then. So this was their second one. Um, yeah. And I don't know. Do we have Jimmy World, good to go? Who produced that one? I want to see who produced. I'll see what Discog says. God, the Discogs. Yeah, there Looks, I see Trombino's name on here. Mixed by Mark Trombino. Um, cause, because there's so many tracks, it's like a kind of hard. So to, if okay. it says something like Turkey on Rye Music. I wonder if that's their publishing company. Like uh, like Blink-182 has a couple weird different production company names. Uh, right now it's Viking Wizard Eyes. Um, oh, okay. Before it was like all kinds of different funny, dumb things that people would have. They, they would love like for lawyers to talk about. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I heard that on, uh, on, uh, the 155 pod. They talked about that. Just how yeah, goofy yeah, yeah. they would make those, how oh, they, yeah. they'd hear them in litigation and you try to keep a straight face by saying <laughs> some of those names. Yeah. And even like Tom's recording studio, he calls never pants ranch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I see recorded by Jim Atkins at the Kenneth room for tracks three, four, and five, which include the most beautiful things and early version of Cautioners and Spangle and the most beautiful things in Spangle being the only like tracks on that EP that right. were that uh, were quote unquote new, not alt versions of things. But the entire EP is credited to being mixed by Mark Trombino. Okay. Yeah. 
That's what I know about the Good to Go EP. The Stay on My Side Tonight EP, you're saying is Mark Trombino. That's cool. Right. Um, oh, and I was just saying that uh, they were still, I don't know. I, I don't know where my mind was when I was thinking about this, but I was thinking of, have you ever seen the movie Lucas? It's got uh, Corey, Corey Haim in it. Corey Haim is in it. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah, we got, we have, uh, when the weather gets nicer, we have family movie nights. And that was one of those surprise films that we had um, running. And awesome. I was surprised. Yeah. And there was one part in there when he mentioned, and I think this was sort of uh, like an analogy to where he was, but he talks about the cicadas and how rare uh-huh. they are that they come around like every eight, maybe even longer, every eight to 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you would say, oh, they got wet wings. And that's how I felt with this album was they were still, I mean, I guess they had already, if, if they're already self-producing, maybe they have a little bit more confidence in themselves, but I felt like they were still developing their sound. And they, this was like an exploration of, yeah, you know, just with songs that they liked because they did the one cover, but there was definitely other tracks that, that you can see, you listen to one, the beginning, the fact that this has one of those soaring little guitar things. It's, yeah. it's got that signature Jimmy sound to it. Yeah, absolutely. It is quintessential Jimmy. Yeah. And I, then I was thinking about AFI top 100. Was there a time when you were going through, I thought you meant the, the uh, like AFI, like the band. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I was like, they, they also like worked 10. with, uh, yeah. Yeah. They, um, but were you at one point, Trying to watch all of the AFI top 100 films. Oh, was man, I, that was like a goal I had set at one point. Yeah, I probably posted about it on social media. Oh, dude, that was like 2004, though. That, that was a long time ago, maybe a little bit later. But I, uh-huh. I just I was thinking about that when I was looking on IMDb at the at the notes for this film. You know, you just you see a movie that's good and then you kind of want to explore. A Wait, little Lucas more, so just, is in that top 100? Um, I th- either that or it came up on the sidebar, like look at oh. AFI's <laughs> top 100 and it, and it made me think, oh yeah, Dave was watching those. Yeah. Oh man. I don't remember. Yeah. I, I think it's like one of those lofty goals that I always like set for myself. And then like, it's just always in the back of my mind. And I think once I had Wesley, I kind of put it on the back burner cause I was like, I'll do it with him. Because I grew up not having seen a lot of those movies. Like, I didn't see... I probably mentioned this on the other episode. I talk about this all the time. But I didn't see Godfather until I was in my 20s. And I was just kind of like, meh. (laughs) No impact. Which I think is a detriment because it's such... You hear everyone talking about it all the time. And uh, I I think... And what was it that about it that didn't really do it for you? I don't know. It wasn't Goodfellas. Like... (laughs) Well, Goodfellas... I'm thinking of Casino... Is Casino the one with Joe Pesci where they got the, the bat in the cornfield? Yes. Well, okay. I, I don't remember Casino as well, but I love Casino. But I know Goodfellas so well. And I... Oh, wait. The bat in the cornfield. You mean where he's beating the shit out of somebody? Yeah. Uh, well, he stabs somebody in a trunk sort of in the side of the road a bunch in yeah, Goodfellas. Okay. In the opening Maybe scene and then it. later in the movie. when And then they go to Joe Pesci's mom to like hide the... The uh the I think they get the knife from his mom's house and there's like ah oh, it's a hoof in the in the grill he's got to cut the hoof <laughs> off he had a deer um anyway yeah it was Goodfellas it wasn't it wasn't Casino it was uh, Goodfellas that I that yeah. I'd seen I thought you were talking about animal bat and I was like well I don't oh. know of any bats in Goodfellas so <laughs> it must be Casino and I don't remember that one as well <laughs> yeah I don't think I've seen uh, Godfather all the way through. And you know, yeah, some people look at me and say, that's a crime. You got to, you got to experience this film, but I'd probably have the same thought. I get through it's, it and go, it's a, ah. yeah, it's a drag, man. 
Yeah, it's not one of those uplifting films, huh? So, you know, so Lucas, you mentioned cicadas. Every time I'm in Phoenix, uh, uh, you can hear cicadas in the trees and they make those like crazy, like buzzing sounds. Yeah, they're loud. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that, that makes me think of the uh, the guitar break. Yeah. <laughs> so so that guitar break, I, I have down that, that that part always gives me chills. And there's one particular spot that, um, and it's toward the end, that I Is just it? have to stop whatever I'm doing. Uh-huh. And it's kind of that, it's a very high riff, but it kind of breaks in the center a little bit. Is it and the lead I, part? It's got to be. But it's yeah. toward the end, and it almost sounds like he's... He's sitting there going back to the 32nd note thing, but way up on the neck, hitting these notes and then maybe clips the the on off switch for a, a brief second or misses the string. Uh-huh. And it's, he's still got that note going, but he just misses it for for a brief moment. Yeah, uh, that part. I got to stop whatever I'm doing and just yeah. enjoy that, that whole part. second part of the bridge is so good because they bring back in the opening riff, but they're playing it loud and open as opposed to like quiet and reserved like it is in the beginning. And then they play right. a lead on top of it. Then they have the soaring ass guitar on top of it. Um, yeah. Right. So in that soaring, soaring guitar part, there is, and I wish I could get this mixed in, um, right at 415 is when it happens. Uh-huh. But it, if you can, if you can play it, go ahead. But there's a part at 415 where it's that moment where it goes up to that note and then breaks for a second and I had to try and find a clip I'm going to send it over to you it's uh it's of R2D2 and he's coming through one of the build I guess it's in one of the newer films but it's him running through the I get the corridor or something and uh it the exact same is it exactly. when he does like That's one of it. those? That's it. Yep. <laughs> right through. And in the second half. That's of that little, totally what it sounds like. I know. So I can't help. I can't not hear that. I can't not yeah. hear R2-D2 running through the panel or the, or the room behind me when I'm hearing that track. So good. Wow. <laughs> yep. Just comes through. <laughs> and it sounds odd, but it's the audio engineer has it tracking through. I think it's, it's two cut. It's a cut. So you hear the part of the scream, and then half a second later, it, it sounds like it's in one channel, but it's just because R2-D2 is coming from the right side now. <laughs> I think it makes sense if you're in the you're watching the scene and you're in the theater. Totally, yeah. So you'll have to bear with me. I'm on a Catalina beta, which by the time this comes out, Catalina will probably be old hat. But um, what is so? What is the what's the Catalina? Uh, OS 10 or Mac OS Catalina. It's a beta version of the new OS that's coming in September oh. or whatever. Um, Man, I'm, so you're you are a very early adopter. I uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see, just I, uh, do it until it breaks. Yeah. <laughs> dang. See, because I can't I can't make that jump. I've got so many applications I that I I'm yeah I don't on. use this computer as like my my be all anymore. This one yeah. is like my side computer. So or my like podcasting computer or something. Which um, I'm not recording to it right now. But oh look, there's the good to go EP. <laughs> I'm like scro- <laughs> I'm scrolling through. Uh, so yeah, Catalina. So Catalina broke up iTunes into its own music app, which is cool, but it, it's a little oh. buggy. And so if I search for closer Jimmy World at the moment, it does not show up. So now is iTunes more like Spotify? Because uh, what did they, ta- they what did they take out of out of iTunes then? Uh, podcasts is now its own app, right? And, okay, so that's um, that's what they separated. Something else. They yeah, segregated that. 
Okay, so at 4.15, you're saying, I got to get to use this new UI. Where Where's the playhead? Oh, also, I got to change my audio. This is good content. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I've got it marked to where I'm going to be very uh, observant of what's going on in this conversation at this point in time. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah. Right Everything now, else is just staying in as is. Okay, here we go. So, 4.15. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I hear it. It's like that extra. Yeah. And it just sounds like someone just raking the strings way up high on the neck. Yeah. We saw what Jim was doing on the new. Did you see that (laughs) clip they posted to Instagram where they're like taking a knife to the strings? Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Maybe maybe they did it 10, 14 years ago when they did. Right. And that's just they're, they're just showing it now that they have social media and they can they have that broadcast. Like, hey, look at us in the studio doing these sweet uh, sound (laughs) exploration Foley work. They're basically doing Foley work in there. Yeah, it's super sick. Um, All right. So let's see. Was there anything else? Did I step on anything? You kind of hit what you were talking about regarding R2-D2 for sure. That guitar lead that makes you feel... It gives you like this visceral reaction, which of course it all yeah, also it's does. Yeah, weird. Me. There's, like, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of Jimmy World music where I have to stop what I'm doing and listen just because there's the, <laughs> the history and and I have certain points in my life where I was listening to that song and it's like ah, that just hits me. Yeah. But this one is so. I wish I could get out my guitar. I know you got a few in your edit bay right there, but oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I wish I could just get out my guitar and jam along with them. You know, sometimes when I hear this track, yeah. Um, you, you had mentioned you went on Reddit to get some, ta- to see some takes. What did you see? Some takes of this, like, uh, I know the, we asked for covers and somebody said they had one and then yeah, and they never I, got I followed up and me. asked if they've found, I followed up today and it just was like, oh, maybe they'll get back to me today. Um, depending on how, but they have not yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the only, there's a few specific, uh, posts on, Re- on the Jimmy World subreddit. Yeah. I found one actually on emo, the emo subreddit. Oh, so and look it was, at you uh, venturing outside of the Jimmy I know, world. Right? So clever. And that's where uh, you're gonna find the good content is like <laughs> is like the, people the, who the, Yeah, because there's no one that's that's gonna be given that uh, that that uh, unconditional love for for you know Jimmy. Yeah. So this one was from uh, one arms scissor seventeen. Uh-huh. And all they did was post they just posted the That's the a great video. song too. <laughs> right. And I wanna see if I if I go to view this. Whose channel is this? God, that's such a cool intro. Communist Nihilist. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. And if you look at his... Can you if can you search for Communist Nihilist and see their... I think it's their... Is, is it their little profile icon? Like their Reddit profile? No, no, no. This is on YouTube. Oh, Communist I Nihilist see. is the, the channel that this guy copied the YouTube embed. Um, uh-huh. But if you go there, it looks like it's an overpass, and I think it's taking back Sunday. Oh, I can't okay. Tell. All right. So but, I'm looking at the communist nihilist. Oh, well, oh, it's yes. Got, it does say cut. cute without the e on it. There we go. Okay. So I was, I was, I was right in seeing that. It's on kinda, his, it's you're talking about his icon, quality. right? Yeah. yeah it's yeah, super yeah. like, yeah. It's like fried to hell. Yeah. <laughs> so that was just the post. And there was only two. There was only two comments on it, and one was from Foreman underscore A. This EP and Futures are, in my opinion, some of their best music ever. Little slices of heaven. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then Sundays-N says, same. Futures comes pretty close to Clarity as being their best album, in my opinion. Mm. Futures is very good. Because I wanted to talk about... So 
we'll talk about the album art for futures because if you haven't read about the sort of not the story but just the explanation behind the photographer where they were and the actual subject no well, that's for a different place in time yeah i loved but, when they uh, uh was it they just did something for futures because futures turned 20 no Yes. And Future's okay, turn so, 20 and they they posted to social media the flickering version of the album cover. It was so yes. sick. Yes. So, uh let sidebar that because Yeah. We'll got, get to it. <laughs> okay, yeah. So remember How that long one. until here, here, let's give a little behind the pod here. How long <laughs> until our first Future song? Oh, not too long. Yeah, we're we're close. We're close to okay, a future good. song, so we'll go into it for sure. Yeah, that that that's an interesting story. But I, there's something about that when you said the re-release, because you're talking about the re-release they had. The 20th anniversary was that one. That was on vinyl, right? Uh, of futures. Uh, what did you said they had a re-release of futures like a 20th anniversary? Oh, I was just saying something something with futures was just recently because Got they it. okay uh, yeah. Okay, so that there there is a subject, so we'll we'll hit that sidebar. So going back to what I was saying about the cover art, what do you think? So at first, oh, it's fifteen years of futures into, too. By the way, before trap, before somebody fact checks us, it's fifteen years of futures. Probably. Okay, okay. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. So yes, no the, the cover for "Stay on My Side Tonight" from far away, and I'm talking I'm talking about thumbnails, right? So I'm looking at this. I thought that was a, a woman's <laughs> a woman's legs and hands. Yeah, and it wasn't until I, I, I guess I just saw it zoomed in or looked at the album artwork that I realized that that's a dude. Oh my god, one hundred percent thought it was a girl smoking a cigarette with her legs in a pool. Yeah, me too. And you look, and those are those are those got to be man hands, right? I, I mean, maybe I'm not one to judge. They're also wearing a ring, aren't they? Yeah, On their correct. right ring finger. Right. So they're wearing a ring. The feet are kind of big, and then you see the legs, and it looks almost like they're tan and. And this is what I thought. It's got that reflection like they're shaved. Uh-huh. It doesn't look like a Brillo pad or anything. <laughs> and, and the fact the fact that there's no... Maybe it's a no, swimmer who's down on their luck. Yeah, and they're just so having they, a cigarette they, to cool their jets. Yeah, well, like, maybe, like, they're usual... So, uh, let's say it's a guy. And let's say... And there's also two versions of this cover. Can we talk about that? And it keeps messing with me in my... I keep thinking that I need to fix, like, the metadata in my Apple music... But there is a there's a version where the legs are coming in from the left side, and there's a version where they're coming up from the bottom, um, which is just disorienting for me. But I I don't know weird. the fact that there's a ring on the right hand seems like something a woman would do as right. jewelry. You right. know what I mean? And I don't know. This still seems like a slit of a dress. I'm going to stand by that it's a woman, but go on. <laughs> okay. Okay. And maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's just, um, yeah, it looks like the slit of a dress. Or I was thinking someone in a black robe that's just, you know, uh, warming, warming up outside of the pool. Uh, Either way. It, maybe they're I mean, in a motel. The more, I, the more I look at it, the more I get drawn into this where I'm looking. And I didn't even realize until just now that the slit really doesn't close. So, you know, it's it's not really any kind of ground I wanted to cover where, <laughs> where, where the eyes are drawn to. But it, I'm if you look at the hands, it looks like a guy's hands. And I was thinking, I wonder if that's one of the band members or if it's just like on the cover of their singles where it's just a photo that somebody took. Yeah. Because uh, it looks like it's an on-camera flash. The way that yes, it looks not very like disposable camera yeah. energy for sure. Exactly, yeah. It doesn't have something that's... Uh, sort of 
cho- choreographed in a sense where it's, you know, the photographers come in and said, okay, you know what, I'm going to do this and have some, some fill light from over here and the backlight from here. It's definitely yeah. like a disposable camera style. And are those studs on that wristband watch thing? You know what? I got to look in, I'm going to enhance <laughs> zoom in and enhance. I found a pretty good version of it on, uh, on Google images. I'll send you a link right now. Um, that's a pretty high res version of the okay, cover. Let's see what this, see what this one looks like. Oh yeah. That's, that's huge. Oh, you can see the grain in this one. Yeah. So this so, is definitely on a film camera with uh, probably like an 800 or higher ISO film. <laughs> nice, yeah. Yeah, that is definitely uh, one of those studs, the kind that you would have on, on leather, right? Yeah, like a giant, like like uh, what you wore in high school. <laughs> but look at the watch, the watch face. The is watch is also just a giant big stud. stud? <laughs> Do you think it's like a, like a clamshell where you click a button and it opens it? Oh, that would be sick. Right? And I think... What's Don't females wear the watch? the watch on their right hand? Is that uh, standard? Um. Uh, so growing up, I always learned that you wore your watch on your opposite dominant hand. Because, Are there any lefties in the band? Um. That is a good question. I don't know. Uh, well, all three. Tom. Well, no, because that. Well, yeah, Travis Barker's left-handed. Right yeah, Travis Barker's left-handed, but plays his kit right-handed style. And then Jim, Tom, and uh rick all play right-handed instruments that is not to say that any right. of them are just learned that way there are because definitely you guitarists. said didn't you say that that rick plays his bass with an inverted neck um, yes neck so i'm wondering if that's maybe because mm. it's I don't know. I don't know if he's left-handed but maybe he now uh, looking at this high res is oh, go ahead yeah and that's just sort of a, a nod to his uh, his dexterity that he's that he's left-handed. So obviously this is Rick in what I'm gonna say now that we're looking at this high res album art is a corduroy <laughs> vest. <laughs> Look at the left leg where the where this like this dress slash robe is. It's got corduroy lines, man. Oh my gosh, you're right. So is this like a th- uh, neither thing sounds comfortable? A corduroy skirt. Or dress with a slit down the middle. Now I'm like, who wears their slit down the middle? If you, even if it's a dress. But then look at the ham, the hem just next to the right hand, the right thumb. There's like a very small hem. So right, I don't know. So like that's a pretty small a hem for it. But that seems a like a small robe. hem for a robe. But yeah, yeah I don't right. know. Like a man. very very thin robe. There's maybe, a lot going on here. Maybe this is a hotel. Uh, a hotel's robe, which are mm-hmm. the cheap. Well, I don't know. Those are kind of like terry cloth, though, right? <gasps> wait, wait, wait. Is it a towel? Oh. But a towel wouldn't have that looks those too thin to be a towel. corduroy lines. But you mentioned a hotel. It could be a shitty pool towel. Oh, you're right. You know when you go to the yeah, pool, right. like at a hotel in Vegas, and you're like, oh, okay, I'll use my room key and check out for a towel. And it's always the worst towel you've ever felt in your life. Yeah, um, it's like sandpaper, right? Yeah. Do you like a Do you like a nice fluffy towel or a thin? I've had this conversation. Oh, fluffy. Yeah, yeah so, me too. I've had this conversation with my buddy Robert, who might be on the Heatmiser Heatmiser episode, um, and he likes a thin, scratchy towel, and because he, he says the fluffy ones don't get you dry, but I just I don't. would say the opposite, right? I, yeah, he, I think if it's too, I think you can have a too fluffy towel where it does feel like the water's like beading off. <laughs> and, and I'm saying beading off. <laughs> um, <laughs> Make that but, clear, right? There's a D. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, this is neither here nor there. 
I, although we are deep diving into the album cover. So, yeah, I don't know. Right. Okay. There's a lot to unpack. Well, I didn't know that. I'm glad you showed me this high resolution one because you can actually see a lot more detail. You can kind of see this some, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's a band member, but they got some kind of dirty fingernails going on in there. Whoa. That's but then true. again, you, you think about someone smoking, they're not going to have the cleanest nails anyway, right? Yeah, that's true. But I mean, maybe that is the smoking hand. And now I'm looking. Now I'm unpacking this. The cigarette, I would assume I'm not a smoker, but if as I mime smoking, I would smoke with my dominant hand, my right hand. Right. Okay. So this is a right-handed person wearing a wedding band or a, a ring on their ring finger, but on their right hand. And then also wearing a stud possible non-watch on their right wrist. Their right side of their body is well ornamented. Gotcha. Stay on my side tonight. So they're on the side of a pool. The right side of the photo. Ah, there's a lot going on here. Well, now what I want to do is I have a, maybe I have a theory that what if the uh, what if the image is flipped? Now, I did wonder that. You know, so if I flip this over, does it look does it look any different? So I'm going to flip my canvas horizontal. Um, not really. So it doesn't have any difference. You could you can't tell. And so it's got the ring on their ring finger now. Right. Uh, they've got it on their left hand, the watch, which would make sense for somebody who's right dominant because you put it on your other. Correct. hand. But then then they're smoking with their left hand. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, you're right. It's weird. It's a lot to unpack. It is weird. That's odd. So speaking <laughs> of smoking, this is yes. a nice segue. Yeah. So this is this is this goes on to that uh, that topic the the aside that we had mentioned about the repressing. So oh, so is that the sideways ago, artwork or or no? You were talking about repressing futures. Yeah, futures. So futures uh-huh. repressing. We'll get on that just because we can talk about this right now. The last week or so, um, UMG. Uh, it was New York Times that revealed that there was a lot more material lost, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was the 2008 fires 11 years ago, um, and it was it was a cover-up, right? So they said uh, it was a cover-up. It was reported originally as 100 or so artists, but it was like eight times. So you think 800 different artists, people like Brian Adams, Cheryl Crow, Eagles. Um, and then you look at the most recent article. I think it was a – I want to say it was The Verge. It was I was reading it yesterday, but it also included Blink-182, yeah. And Weezer. Okay. So someone on Reddit came to an interesting conclusion uh, about or a realization about the futures repressing on vinyl. Uh-huh. So they said the repressing on vinyl, and I don't know where they dis- where they mentioned this, but they mm-hmm. said it's a 16-bit 44.1 kilohertz master. That was Yikes. what the source was from. That's terrible. Right? So they were saying, and 16-bit. Right. So the bit depth there is that's that's what we record on right now. That's that's I think actually I'm recording 24 bit 48 K, but only because that's what we <laughs> that's what we work in. Right. Here, and then, yeah. you know, what? you send it to me and I actually downsample it <laughs> to something yeah. that works in my environment. <laughs> so some are saying that this should be done. You're assuming that this is vinyl and it can handle a lot more because it's a physical format. It should be handling anything from 24 bit and up at up to 96 kilohertz. Yes. I don't know if they go up to 128, but um, so their assumption is, is that's the same spec that was downgraded to and used for CDs. Right. Digital. Right. Yeah. So they think that they lost mm. the original future um, yeah. tapes and they just repressed this from yeah. digital. 
And we should mention that that is because a lot of represses, they go back to the masters and, yeah, and they should. And, yeah. Uh, so that's why a lot of, that's why there's a big market for represses is because people, the, the, the labels will go back to the masters and even sometimes master for vinyl, um, the, the, uh, album again. So that's kind of crazy. Right. So who? Yeah, so knew, I gotta who, also got to mention who, it was fun. It was funny. Frets one seventeen. And how do they know that the source? Did they run the audio waveform on? Well, and see, that's what they didn't the mention. Vinyl? Was I don't know where they figured that out. Unless they work at the pressing plant. And they put in yeah, they put in quotes was from a sixteen bit forty four point one kilohertz master. Wow. So I don't know if that's if that has to be mentioned explicitly on the actual pressing itself. You know how it has the, the uh-huh. legal jargon at the bottom. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that has to be there or if they, like you said, they took it from their, I don't know, ran it through analog into digital and then they were able to sort of assess it there. But, but for whatever reason, they said it's 1644. Yeah, in 2004, I know, I feel like Jimmy World likes to work with tape as much as they possibly can. And maybe we'll learn going along the way. But wouldn't, like Mark Trombino maybe have a hard drive on a shelf somewhere with 96k masters you know what I mean of his work well, just assuming that they like let a, that they let Mark have them you know then, right. then one of the biggest uh sort of kickbacks that's come out of this is the fact that Universal Music Group basically bought out everyone mm-hmm. and they boned them all because they put everything including some the of the copies in the same freaking vault that apparently I think Cheryl Crow was saying didn't even have uh, uh, fire suppression. Fi- uh, yeah, that's so crazy. Yeah, so it's just it's just kind of a, they they kind of fell over themselves a couple of times by doing that. Um, but but ultimately they've ruined it for everybody by having all that stuff in one place and then not taking care of it properly. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that was a really good uh, realization from Funny Frets One Seventeen. Wow. So you saw that on where Reddit or yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I had to make a comment. I made the the Cheryl Crow um, comment. It was a Variety article. Uh huh. Oh yeah, I do think I ended up. Oh, you shared it with me. That was how I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I did. Um. Wow. Crazy. Well, I'm um, glad that there's people out there, the audiophiles that actually listen for that stuff. Yeah, man. Because like, so, yeah. I like to pretend I care. Like, if I buy a vinyl, I try to make sure I get the 180 gram, um, if available. Uh, right. but not because I know the difference, not because I can tell, but if I'm going to make that investment to buy something physical on vinyl, I guess, I guess I want to impress the audiophile that will come over and judge me. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's also like having, when you have your photo, you take a photo and you keep the raw, you don't, I, yeah. I don't necessarily, I got 3000 of these photos. I'm going to use <laughs> 200 of them, but I yeah. need those 3000 and it's about, it's about space. Cause the very first time that I came across this topic was with my buddy, uh, Ken Powers, who is a musician. That's and, a sick uh, name. <laughs> and he went to CSUN also. I know, right? Um, and he went to CSUN also. But he was telling me, uh, I, was, I was talking about sharing audio with him. And this was around, this was around the same time. I, I think BearShare was still, still in use. YouTube may have just come around, but it wasn't owned by Google yet. But he just, I, I was offering him some tracks. And he goes, you know what? Miller unless it's from the original or it's in mm-hmm. flack and that's when I learned about flack what yeah. fully lossless auto co- codec was yeah the fully lossless audio codec and and I, I didn't realize how big those files were and his his reasoning was these are completely uncompressed versions of these songs which could be h- several hundred megabytes per song yeah 
but there's no compression whatsoever. Remember there's when no, Neil Young came out with the Pono player because he hated how Apple was making their own Kodak right. and it was all lossy? Uh, that's not around anymore, right? <laughs> no, I did. It's like the Zune. It just it was there yeah. was a good I idea. I kind of want a Zune. <laughs> yeah, you know what? There was also I recently saw it. Um, someone had posted a playlist on Spotify on Reddit about a Zune. It was kind of uh, modeled around the time of the Zune, and they had a top hits playlist of that time. Yeah, and he called it like the Zune playlist because this is what you would have had on your Zune at the time. Oh, that's on your sick. Microsoft Zune, and you know, there's people still with uh, with uh, first and second generation iPods, assuming that they still hold a charge. I have a couple and I I have a couple on my desk that I set like iFixit still sells like battery and hard drive replacement kits. And I'm like, oh, one day I'll do it as like a fun thing. But really, what do I care? I don't need to do that. Like, <laughs> and you look at the space, that's the project you, probably, I don't need. you hold way more on your phone now. Yeah. And you, you then you could on an iPod first, second or even third generation, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. There were some that were big. I know that there were some the one with the click wheel. Like I kind of want to. Uh, yeah. Uh, like I, the, the two that I have on my desk are the ones that I had and my wife, uh, had, which were when Apple and HP teamed up. I don't know why it's HP branded, but on the back, it has an Apple and an HP logo and they're both 20 gig iPad iPods. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was like, uh, <laughs> uh what would you say is the average size of an album that's been ripped from CDs? Five oh, to six hundred megabytes. I don't know. Oh, uh, so CDs can only hold four hundred and eighty megabytes. I think so. Well, at a the CDR max. is seven hundred megabytes. Oh, really? Okay, I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah, but okay, I don't wrong. think I've ever seen. You know, most albums are thirty, forty-five minutes. So it's wasn't there be that drama with uh, uh, maybe ten years ago, whatever Metallica record came out that they overcompressed their record to fit it yeah. onto one CD, and then they yeah. were like apologizing. Yeah, because there were people that could tell, and I'm sure it's because of all of. Um, Oh man, what's his name? The drummer. Uh, oh yeah, Lars. His playing, yeah, Lars. Lars Ulrich. So his playing has so much hi hat use. You can, that's the that's the one giveaway is the hi hat. <laughs> yeah, that that'll give away the like, bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I imagine it's because of him that playing that they. Oh, dude, no way, guys. <laughs> All right, so I went on and I found another mention on the actual Jimmy Eat World subreddit. Of what's the meaning interpretation of closer? Okay, yeah, I came across. Oh, so let's sorry. talk about that. Let's talk about the meaning interpretation. Yeah, I came across that one. Yeah, we. I I always go to to song meanings, even though most of these comments are from maybe the weeks after the 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 LP or in this case an EP is released. Sure. And but they sort of had the same the same consensus which is what I felt after I, cause I've never really looked at the lyrics in depth, like as a story until every time we do this, I'll look at them in depth. So looking at these, I got the idea after reading through the whole thing was like a younger, maybe at one time it was a crush and they meet up later in life and somehow cross paths or are in the same town. Maybe, maybe uh-huh. someone like Jim is in, in town for the week or, or a couple of days on tour and, uh, and he just says, every day I get a little closer. Maybe he's just thinking about this person. They're on their mind when they're a kid. And then at this point, they have, uh, he meets up with her. They have whiskey water and maybe even kiss. But then they sort of say, you know what? It wasn't what I expected. Or I need to move on with my life and, and continue on. And, and this was great and everything. But I just got to kind of peace out. Um, but then there's also the lines toward the end where it says, write my name somewhere safe. 
Like she is sort of, right. she has the crush back a little bit. And for you get to that last little block, the last little stanza. Um, every day I get a little closer, dear. Gonna drive fast. It's like almost like if you need me to, I'll drop everything and come and and be with you. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty song, but I get the I get the idea that it's it's kind of like young love. The comment about whiskey water kiss makes you think they're maybe uh, either they're they're underage drinking or they are later in life and they're just sort of meeting at a bar having a having a drink and then right yeah now here's my question Uh, whiskey water i don't get that drink why would you water down whiskey so typically what you'll have is if you have a really nice whiskey it it doesn't matter if it's a scotch whiskey or a or um a bourbon whiskey you know you can say it the other way around Uh uh sometimes even the nicer ones, they're a little too harsh. I know there's people that are that are stone cold uh, purists, and they'll say, "No, you never water it down." But what you'll do is you can put in one cube of ice, and I'm talking about the the crescent shaped ones that come out of a the newer fridges, not not an actual yeah, cube. Uh-huh. And it yeah. waters it down just enough to where you get the water part. It's not as strong, and then chills it as well. So when yeah, you're I in don't a bar, mind. you just throw in. Yeah, yeah, I don't I mind when you're at a bar. You ice order whiskey, whiskey and, and water, and watering it down on purpose the, is weird. Spray. Yeah, but you're. It's almost like you're getting your drink. You don't have to wait for the the ice to chill. It's just kind of someone like instead of getting uh, scotch and soda, which is like fizzy fizzy water, and dilutes it a little bit. Which I do and like that, and that's called a highball. Yeah. I learned in Tokyo, which I love. Yeah, and that's a good one, uh, but it's just a different variation on watering it down just a little. And I'm just thinking that you're you're probably right that that pure whiskey, um, bourbon, and scotch drinkers will say no, you don't water it down, or maybe there are specific ones you do. Uh, what I do know is that blended whiskey uh-huh. or blended um, scotch whiskey, those ones you typically mix with something. It's this. It's the single malt that you're not supposed to necessarily mix, and I think the only, and this is I, I've not been on on this. Uh, I know there's a subreddit about this whole thing. You could probably get lost in this, but <laughs> there is, um, there's probably very few things that you can dilute a single that you're supposed to dilute a single malt scotch with, and I think one of the acceptable ones would be soda water or ice or or a splash of water. So sure, it's just yeah. kind of like it's kind of and it's kind of cool to say whiskey water. Yeah, I definitely yeah, love the line, water. but it made me think about like cocktails in general. <laughs> and then you know what? Hey, can we get a water to go? Because I'm feeling a little bit like I've yeah. had too much, and I didn't get an, <laughs> I didn't get an Uber or Lyft. So, well, that is that, one of those things they tell too. you: if for every cocktail you have, have a glass of water, and that will help you with hangovers. Right, and as the older I get, I see how how important that is. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not it's not it's not any. Uh, I guess you have less what space in your stomach for for having another uh, drink yeah. or something. But it's it's kind of refreshing now to have a glass of water after I've had a couple of beers or something. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's interesting. So you had that the you same. Had- do you have the same kind of analysis then? I well, I only do because I was I was sort of like I think. It, let's let's credit let's give credit where credit was due in terms of the subreddit. Um, actually, this person has deleted their user account, so never mind. Somebody <laughs> in brackets. You ever deleted. wonder why they do that? Like if they made a comment in another, subreddit. I guess they are roasted at some point, and they just got right. embarrassed and closed their shit down. I don't know. Um, 
but somebody had basically explained it, I think, sort of the way that you did, like like a like a rekindling of an old love that but not rekindling it, but like giving it the old college try and realizing that it wasn't what you remembered when you were younger. Now, are you uh, a Garth Brooks head at all? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Big time. So when you were describing it to me. And just, I sort of glanced over this, and then you describing it to me reminds me of his song, Unanswered Prayers. Do you know that song? Yeah. So that's the one where he goes back into town and meets his yeah. his high school crush, right? Yes. And nothing happens, and he's so, he's grateful that he met his wife, who he ended I think up cheating it's that, on. Yeah, I think it's sort of the same situation where she's kind of like into it, and he's like, yeah, I just am so glad that I met, like, my wife. Because I thought when we were kids that this was it. And then, uh... And then at the end of the song, you find out that he's married and very happy with his kid and all this stuff. It's, it's a tight song. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is good. It's a it's a good song. It's one of those I don't like to listen to because it makes me so it takes me so far back to it's when so visceral. I think that album was was that one Rope in the Wind? Or oh, was that man. No I don't know. Let's see. Uh, unanswered prayer. The, the when I most recently heard it was on his live record. Uh, and then did yeah. he play it when I saw him live at the forum last year? I saw him at the forum, I think, He just in recently played, yeah, and he played out here. I had a yeah. buddy who ended up going. Oh, such good a good season. show, dude. Um, the, uh, Garth Brooks was my first concert, and it was probably, uh, you know, whatever concert was in, like, 92, 93. Uh, it was so sick, but it was the loudest thing I'd ever heard, and I cried through most of the show because it was just too loud. <laughs> I think I was, like, eight. <laughs> and was he was he, um, was he it's on that, It's uh, a B-side on Alabama Clay, apparently. Oh, no, it says from the album No Fences. Okay. Yeah. Okay, the B-side no to the single is Alabama Club. I wonder what the B-side sounds like. Let's do the, uh, we'll do the, um, <laughs> the Garth Brook pod, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, uh, Alabama so tracks. I don't know that one off, uh, offhand. Oh, we're not going to pull it up because Garth Brooks' stuff isn't online. I well, have a is, lot it's of his Spotify stuff on and it. And it only came on Spotify like seven or eight years ago. Oh, that's because like, I remember I added. That's pretty I big of Garth added Brooks, all of his man. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got to protect his. his I have his uh, like ultimate property. collection in my thing. Wait, um, wait, wait. Was that the one with the? It was sort of a matte black finished four disc. Um, it was the one I got it for my mom for Christmas, and then I just also imported right, yeah, it. I got maybe the, two or I three did the years Billy ago. Joel one for my. I got it for my stepdad, and I ended up Sick. listening to it mo- more than he did. It was like a six disc CD set. <laughs> But those were good because then you have access to pretty much every track. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see. I don't. I'm gonna scrub through my thing here, unless you've got it. You said you have it up. Uh, which track? Alabama Clay. Oh, I found it here. Here it is. Let's see what this sounds like. This is on Garth Brooks Collection Contemporary Country 1994, track six, and it's of course not playing, which is insanely sick. Oh, here we go. Alabama Clay, was that his very first one where he's on the cover with that brown Oh, I know hat? this song. It has a cool, like, little jazzy, bluesy uh, piano intro. Yeah, I know this song. That's a good one. Good B-side. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah, a Chris Gaines I fan. I, don't, I just didn't take yeah. to any of that stuff. Yeah, well, you know, no one, no one really did. He, I think his best, the best Chris Gaines was on SNL when he showed up there, and he did. <laughs> he came on as Garth Brooks, but he performed as Chris Gaines, which was odd because they had that promo, that the promo image of him, like, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Gaines, and you see him with his little, that little dirty goatee. Yeah. And, and the spiky kind of hair, which was neat. I'm glad. You know what? He had so much success, and... Well, yeah, good for uh, him know, like for taking a big-ass swing like that. Yeah, yeah, right? You know what? I'm gonna do what, you, what I want. It's the first... Were there any other artists before that that had broken up into besides 
Ziggy Stardust and yeah. David Bowie. Yeah. Right. I mean, he was, it was, this was a new thing. So for a new generation of kids in the nineties, they see this guy, who's Chris Gaines. Yeah. And hey, some it's of a them swing and a miss, but you know, mm. you, you, you only hit you the ones you swing at, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was a good Garth Brooks tangent. Anyway. Yeah. Totally reminded yeah. me of unanswered prayers when we were describing sort of the story. So this is Jimmy Eat world's unanswered prayers is basically what we're saying. Oh, pretty much. Yeah, there's that that <laughs> connection right there. So, I, you know, for the song structure, I was going to say this was, this is what I had down for the song structure. And I want to ask you this when I'm done mentioning. So verse one, chorus. Verse two, chorus, bridge, which is that guitar breakdown. And then verse three, you said that there were two bridges. Where am I missing so that So after bridge? the second verse, it goes into the quiety guitar for a really long time. It goes, meeny, me, meeny, me, meeny, me, meeny, me, Oh, and then they come back into which that, is different um, from everything before it, which is why I'm counting it as a like bridge number one. And then Zach comes in with the dope drums, and then that's the second part of the bridge to me, anyway. Um, yeah, and I even have in my notes. Can we give some credit to Zach because that's a tough drum fill? Yeah, man. Um, that he that he slams in there, which is I can't not air drum to it when it happens. <laughs> now speaking of air drumming, oh, so song structure. Uh, so that that, that yeah, goes yeah, to yeah. that, okay. and then so there's verse saying, three. So it would be verse. It would be verse two, bridge one. That's how I think of it because it goes so, for so long into like the pretty. I I mean I can't describe it any other way. Like shoegazy Jimmy World guitar yeah. break, uh, where Jim and Tom are just like interlay. You know they're like weaving their guitar lines. They're both playing like like cool lead parts that play off each other. Oh, it's so tight. <laughs> yeah yeah and that's what i that's what i love listening to and they do such a good job i don't know if it's mixing or if they do this stuff live i imagine that they could play this stuff live i feel i love it when they do these oh, breakdowns yeah. live which i'll get into in a minute um especially yeah, about this and, song. Uh, yeah sure and then we could just jump in there after this i was just going to mention the fact that they can do this in the studio and then recreate this live yeah uh you know that, well, that's even better now because they they use Kempers or something live now, right? Like, I don't think they like. I remember, oh, I thought Tom was so cool because he had an orange amp, but he faced it backwards. I was like, I don't even know why he does that, and that <laughs> looks so fucking cool. Um, when I saw them at the Glass House, was when I was like super up close and I got a look at their stage set. Stage setups were so important to me back in the day. Like, like blinks in like the whole like late nineties, early two thousands was so symmetrical. Like, Mark had three Ampeg eight ten E cabinets on the left, and Tom had three uh um full stack well it wasn't a full stack though it was a mesa boogie uh like half stack head on the top and then full like i don't know what you call that like a triple rectifier up top and then like a full cab on the bottom right right but it was so symmetrical and and like just straight across and then travis's drum riser right in the center um so the so stage setups were so rad to me back then so i was so interested and when i saw that tom not only had an orange amp but it was faced backwards i was like that's fucking cool <laughs> <laughs> um i assume it was just because the venue was so small and he could play it loud into the microphone and now they just i think mostly use uh amp model amp modeling uh live so they really can dial in there was we got to break it down one episode but there was a uh rig rundown for jimmy world um, where they talk about all their gear that they use live. Right, it's so really their pedals and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, we'll have to have that laid out before beforehand so we can just kind of rattle through it. 
Yeah. But I love that part when they go through and they say, well, these are the things I use. I've got this, this, this oh, yeah. overdrive and I've got it mapped this way. And this is why I have it mapped this way. So when I play the, the delay mm-hmm. pedal, you know, oh man. And I, I think love he has it set have- up like he basically just hits one switch and it's already pre-programmed, like verse one. Then he hits the switch, it goes into chorus one. Then he hits the switch, it goes into verse two. And then he hits the switch, it goes into verse... And it's all amp modeled on the back. It's so sick. <laughs> and that's how they sound so good doing it live now. Right. Um, yeah. So and, anyway... And speaking of them playing live, they they did... I mean, we went to the first show, right? Yeah, so, so we that's what I was going to say. We were at the yeah. first time they ever played Closer live. And Which was I was, October so, I was so happy. I don't know if, if they yeah. had anyone that had any recordings of that. I know we, we were there was a um, in the in that Reddit thread that or yeah the Jimmy World the thread that I made. Someone was trying to track down the um, song list. Yeah, and I think we got it. We ended up figuring it out. It was on. It was on. Um, was it on song list? It was setlist.fm. Setlist.fm. Yeah. they ended up having it. Yeah, but and they yeah, only was, played the so song twenty three times live, and we were at the yeah. first one yeah so i'm glad that we were able to experience that and then do this this um even though you know you're there and you're in the moment and you i someone had asked that question i think right at the end of the show does anyone have the set list and my first thought was i have not been paying attention to the order for of anything (laughs) i was just jamming along singing the songs enjoying myself at this at, at such a small venue yeah I mean, for even for for L.A., I mean, the Greek, it was my first time there, but that even. Oh, sorry. You're talking about the Greek. Sorry. Yes. Separate. We saw the first show of the tour. I What I was yeah. referring to was that they played closer live for the first time at Ventura for Futures 10, oh, which yeah. we were yeah. both at. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, what uh, I mean. See, that just goes to show I didn't even I had no idea what what tracks they even played at this last show. So but I don't yeah, think right. I don't think they played closer at this last show only. And I don't think they have on this tour because setlist.fm is pretty good about getting updated, especially by yeah. bands. And it looks like they've only played closer 23 times live, which was a stretch from October 2nd of 2014 to November 2nd, 2014 for that Futures 10 tour, which makes sense because. Uh, because this EP came out in 2005 and Futures came out in 2004, it might have been all recorded in the same session. Um, okay. And maybe why they played it on the Futures 10 tour. Um, so, sorry. That is a complete yeah, no, okay. tangent okay. to probably what you were to- talking about, which was, yes, we went to the first stop of... Uh, Third Eye Blind and Jimmy World at the Greek, which was insanely right. sick. Which, just to go, there were 14 tracks they played. And yeah. did I can't I uh, they didn't have any kind of uh, encore because they were the essentially the opening act correct yeah but I was I was hoping that they would have come back for one or two more songs before uh, Third Eye Blind came on yeah that would have been cool they have done but some I was happy one off shows sweetness yeah sweetness and always be uh, I'm glad those are the two I was looking for them to play anyway yeah so and then I thought even though we left a little early because my son was there and you guys had babysitters to get back to um, third eye blind they were insanely sick I thought the the mix was really low I thought and I think it's probably because Stephen Jenkins is like 11 years old apparently and uh, that's pretty much he still I think sounds right so good yeah <laughs> I think he's 54 he too, did we say yeah the guy must uh you know, he must be on one of those sick diets and, uh, yeah. and work out all the time. He looks, looks amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm he sounds really this, this good. Appreciate. And I think yeah. that the band being tuned down a little bit, 
uh, not tuned down, but uh, well, they probably down tune as well so he can hit higher notes. Um, but uh, their volume was pretty low, so I think it helped them. I think it helps him probably last the entire tour, and I was cool with it. Um, but they played right. Motorcycle Drive-By, which is my favorite song by them, which I thought was insanely sick. So, <laughs> Yep, I didn't. So that was that song came to me after I started putting together a few Jimmy World Radio or Weezer Radio playlists. Yeah. And that one came on for Third Eye Blind. And I was like, this isn't one of their main tracks. And then I realized, OK, this is a different kind of song. Yeah, because even I had forgotten how intro. dark. Um, uh, what was the song? Um, it's their top hit, right? No, well, that's a that's a dark song too. But um, yeah. Oh, Third Eye Blind, where he talks about like somebody getting shot and all that stuff. Uh, oh, slow motion, slow motion. Yeah, I forgot how dark slow motion is. And okay, so just to talk about that one, so there was I had the Blue Album, which was my favorite Third Eye Blind album. But uh-huh. then they had, and I can't remember where I found this, but they had the extended version of Slow Motion. Which uh-huh. told more of the story. So you oh, have the album sick. version. I gotta listen yeah, to it. Yeah, <laughs> it gets even more dark. It's like super. It's got like I think drugs and and um, it does more. It does more of ex- explanation of the the sight when the when the gun goes off. Yeah, it's just yeah. So the album version, I remember hearing that, and then later on, I heard the the longer version of that, the extended, or maybe it was the actual version, the the uncut, and I thought. Damn, this album or this band is deep. Oh, I thought that was a sick show. Anyway, <laughs> and we wore our Jimmy Eat Pod shirts. So if you saw us at the show, let us know in the comments below. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh man, let's see what else you got about this song before we. Okay, sort of so talk I couldn't. About I couldn't final find. Thoughts, yeah. I couldn't find any covers, man. Me neither. Right. So um, that guy never got back to us. No. Nope. About the covers. And yeah, I, I mean, it's a deep cut. It's on an EP. Um, yeah. So I, I would expect not many people know it, but um, uh, it did go to number 74 in Australia. So maybe if they oh. tour Australia, they'll uh, they'll. Uh, and speaking of which, yeah, there should be Australian covers then if it went to number 74. Anyway. Right. But there's none. Maybe this guy, maybe um, maybe Seeb's. I did one like six years ago. I'll see if I can find it. Probably deleted it as my vocals are a lot stronger now. Man, oh, man. I, would I don't care how good or now. bad your vocals are. Yeah, let's do it. Get let's him out there, it. dude. So we'll, we'll tack it on because this episode won't be out for a while. If we find it, we'll tack it on between this and the right. interview, which we have with another CSUN alum, uh, Gil Barron, who gives his thoughts right. on the song and life in general. And one day I'll cut that interview. <laughs> <laughs> but one, we did record it soon. <laughs> we did record it for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, is there anything else we could wax poetic about this song? It's insanely sick. Um, yeah, well, I mean, the musically it's, it's beautiful. It's spacey. It's got that, that signature Jimmy world sound of let's just take off from here. We've got the song structure, but let's explore a little bit with our, with our, um, instruments. Yep. Uh, and then they've got those, the lyrics are, are they're not, they're not super cheesy it, to, you know, if you really analyze it. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it seems like a love letter or something like forgotten love, unanswered prayers, kind of the, concept but it's not they're not cheesy they're they're good yeah they're good lyrics there's nothing corny about this that i would say yep yeah so, so what, yeah. what are your final what are your final thoughts on on this jam uh my final thoughts are it's uh it, i only had played it so what i did when i when we made our list of songs and i didn't talk about this on the opener episode was I included a column on our discography song list that has how many plays 
this each song had in my iTunes library. Um, and this only had seven, which I either a is just wrong metadata or B I listened to it on CD a lot more because I know the words. It's amazing. Um, and, uh, like I said, I listened to it 20 times while I was just sort of working. Um, and, uh, and never once got tired of it and never forgot to hit play again when the song was over because it's such a jam. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and me, I, I, I started this off by saying it's, it's my favorite track off of this EP. Nothing's really changed. You know, looking at it, I, I feel like I know the song a little bit better uh, lyrically. Uh, the song structure is still you know, according to you, it's not it's not uh, typical. It's got that that sort of second. Well, they yeah, they even go into a verse there. after the bridge, which is tight. So yeah, that's just that's just them, and I love it. So yeah, yeah. this is a, this is a great this is a great track for me. I haven't I haven't hit a song yet. I know we're only a couple of episodes in. <laughs> um, I might have a little bit more of a critique with reason three four six. Oh, or reason three hundred forty six. Spoiler alert! Yeah, <laughs> right. But yeah, maybe come and listen to that episode. Um, and in in that one, just to kind of give you guys a heads up. Uh, I interview um, Chris Malloy, who is a hopefully famous uh, YouTuber, and he's got an awesome story about uh, his uh, sort of his insertion into that whole into that whole part of media and and things. He's it, it's a it's a great conversation that we have, but that's for reason three forty six. So anyway, <laughs> I have I have nothing bad to say about this jam. It's another good one. So dude, two out of two knocked them out of the park so far as far as your choices on what we're going to be reviewing. Absolutely. All right. Well, until next time, I'm David and I'm Justin. And uh, what, what were we going to say? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for part three. Well, for our first interview, we have uh, somebody that went to college with Justin and I, Gil Barron. Gil, how are you? Hey, guys. Uh, nice to hear from you. We haven't talked in so long. I know. <laughs> I don't know the last time we spoke, really. One of my favorite memories of you is do you remember the um, Robert Leininger did a skit with his uncle where he was Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> that is my favorite. Like whenever I think of Gil Barron, that's what I think of. Mostly the one line that is like in the top five funniest things I've ever <laughs> seen you say <laughs> is when you say, uh, uh, "I really, I, uh, I really love Sylvester Stallone. Like I want to be around him." <laughs> Or something like that, and you're so sincere and and uh, awkward about it, but it's so good. <laughs> because his uncle um, was a legitimate uh, Sylvester Stallone impersonator. Like, yeah, he, he does like those voiceovers uh, for when things get edited for TV, and Sylvester Stallone says a bad word, he'll uh, he'll do the overdub for it. And he did the um, like the the brisk lemonade commercial where they had like the Rocky and claymation. Oh yeah. And he told me that he, like, called Sylvester Stallone's mother one time and, like, fooled her for, like, 10 minutes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I know he's done, like, crank calls and stuff. I think he called into CNN, like, Larry King one time as somebody. It might have even been Sylvester Stallone because he does Stallone. He does, uh, uh, who's the, uh, not Andy Garcia, the guy from Scarface. Uh Uh, he does uh, Al Pacino. 
Al Pacino. But I think yeah. he also and, does uh, an Andy Garcia. I guess. Does does Andy have like a noticeable voice? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like low, key, low and guess, gravelly. Yeah. If you like remember Ocean's Eleven, you know, there's in my hotels, someone's <laughs> always watching. <laughs> Let's ask why I'm important to the world and why yeah. I deserve to be on a podcast. Um, <laughs> so my story is that I've uh, been producing comedy uh, for a long time. We were in CSUN 15 years ago-ish. Uh, maybe less, but, um, so I've been producing a lot of like live comedy. I used to work at Comedy Central. I used to work at DreamWorks. And, um, one of the places that I recently landed is the Pack Theater. And, uh, if your listeners don't know, if you guys are familiar with like UCB or the Groundlings, these are our comedy theaters that a lot of like your favorite comedians have come out of. And they all, um, trained in those places and learned sketch and improv and kind of honed their skills in places like Groundlings and Second City and, uh, and UCB. Uh, a couple of years ago, um, some people who left UCB and, and IO started this theater called the Pack Theater. And it's in Hollywood. It's on Theater Row. Um, it's like right there at Santa Monica and Wilcox. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So it's right in the center of Hollywood. And like the whole, um, the whole mantra of the theater is don't be boring. So they've kind of gained this reputation for being really exciting and really daring and taking a lot of risks. And one of the risks they took was on me. They, when they opened up, they asked me to, um, produce their late night show. They wanted to do a talk show. And what we decided on together was to do uh, something called your late night show tonight. And it's a talk show, a late night talk show. But the hook of it is that every month a different comedian hosts their very own show, um, completely in their own voice, completely in their own point of view. Um, so every single month it's a completely new show um, that, you know, last month we had, um, I don't know when this is coming out, but we're recording this in June. But in May we had uh, we had Colton Dunn from Superstore. Uh, oh, the, yeah. He was amazing. Uh, he, <laughs> he wanted to do sort of a uh, like a like a Playboy after dark kind of talk show. Yeah. So we had a we wanted to put a hot tub on stage instead of a hot tub. We did like a little a little kiddie pool filled with like Chuck E. Cheese balls. <laughs> so whenever the That's guests amazing. would come out, they like put their feet in the in the plastic kiddie pool. Um, we did that <laughs> <laughs> the month before that. We had Hal Rudnick from Screen Junkies. He was our yeah. host. Um, and that ended up being kind of the, the horror talk show. Like he's very into like horror and scary movies. So we had like a horror themed talk show. Uh, the month before that, we did Lelon and Wilder. And you guys know Lelon uh, Bowden from uh, Andy Mack on the Disney Channel. And Lelon and Wilder perform all over the country. Um, and they did, we did a show for them that was essentially the female friendship talk show. It was like a really deep dive exploration into, uh, just everything that like female friendship is and with the, the unique, uh, aspects of that. So that's what we do every single month. Every month we're, doing uh every 30 days or developing a brand new talk show with a different comedian so about how long is each talk show uh one hour we have a and, one hour slot at the theater on and it's pretty much whatever the comedian uh formatted that whatever format they want or is it sort of fit into a cookie cutter that you've sort of designed and said okay there's a monologue segment here there's an interview segment here and then 
so here's how the month goes when we do your late night. We book them uh, about two weeks before we start writing the show. We have dinner with them. And we talk to them about their influences and uh, the first time they made their friends laugh and their their favorite sketches and their favorite things that they wrote. And, you know, we really like it's very podcasty, but we're not recording it. Right. Um, then we have them come up with a list of writers they like. And between them and us, we come up uh, with a few names for writers and we book those writers to write on the show for that month. And then for the next three weeks, we pitch and write a show completely based on that person. And all of that conversation we had with them at dinner becomes something we called we call a vision board. So they type up three to five pages of just like, these are sketches I love. These are, this is art I love. This is music I love. And that gets sent out to the writers and the writers, when they come into pitch, it all has to be based on that vision. That sounds board. so fun, man. It's the most fun you can have while clothed. <laughs> now the bummer of it is like, if you can't make it to every show, you kind of have to, because these aren't live streaming anywhere, right? No, we do, we do tape them and, uh, we have them on a private YouTube. Yeah. Uh, we will, as we get bigger and bigger, we're going to start releasing clips from it, but you can definitely pop over to our YouTube channel and our Facebook, uh, on our Facebook video page. You can see like videos from a lot of past shows. There's really good videos from, uh, Michelle Ortiz, who was, uh, she was on Mad TV a few years ago. Um, Erica Curry, uh, Kristen Studdard, um, Christine Little has a really funny video that I always love. It's called Van Nuys is a Furniture Store, and it's a <laughs> it's a commercial making fun of the fact that there's furniture on every corner of. That's amazing. Van Nuys. That reminds me of that Canoga Park sketch that was on YouTube um, like 15 years ago. Do you remember that no, one? No. What is it? They they set it to it's a. The Alf theme song, I want to say, but they wrote words to it about Canoga Park and how shitty it is. That's like, funny. <laughs> oh man, it's a good one. I'll have to send you the link when we're done. <laughs> uh, we did for the, speaking of Nikki Urban, who's going to be doing the Nikki Urban show on fr on Friday the twenty eighth. We did her late night show. That's what inspired her to do her own show, and we did a segment, a remote segment, where we went to my parents' house and had them watch Hentai for the first time. Oh my god! So it was old people watch hentai, and we showed really, really raunchy hentai to my parents, <laughs> and got their reactions to it. So hop on over to our Facebook, go ahead and watch my parents be embarrassed by that's amazing having to watch hentai. <laughs> so uh, today uh, we're having you on to talk about the song "Closer," um, uh, mostly because the joke is we started the show with the song "Opener." <laughs> and this song on paper looks like the word closer. So <laughs> that that was our clever wordplay to have you on the show. I love it. Um, so that, that's what made you think of me for it, because I'm your closer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we have like 162 episodes to go at the moment, but <laughs> sure. Um, how, how familiar are you with uh, Jimmy Eat World? not super familiar. I don't remember even what their big hit was, but I've been listening to this song closer for, you know, for the last hour or so. And it's like really kind of hauntingly beautiful. And like, it's weird that like it, the vibe of it super reminds me of college. Well, that's funny that you say that. I was going to ask if you remember when CSUN held a concert, a free concert in the quad in front of the library with taking back Sunday and Jimmy world. 
and it was free to students. And I think only like a few hundred people showed up. It was so intimate and awesome. No, I don't see remember them that. For free. Yeah. Their big hit, you might know them from, is called The Middle. And it was from an album called Bleed American. I loved um, that song. I remember loving that music video. Yeah, that music video rules. Because like the song had like an interesting hook to it. Yeah. That just like, you know, it was like mall punk or whatever. It was like very pop punk, but um, but just the hook of it. I was like, okay, these guys are like, maybe someone studied music in this band. <laughs> maybe someone actually, maybe <laughs> well, someone actually went to college. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, so Justin's favorite band of all time is Weezer. And I would say they're probably like great musicians. Whereas my favorite band of all time is Blink-182. So like... Uh, Blink-182 is like on my on paper my favorite band of all time. Jimmy Eat World are like my favorite musicians that I will buy in any album by them sight unseen. I'm not going to um, lie. You and I are going to part ways there because I get that <laughs> Blink-182 like has, you know, they were sort of the forefront of the pop punk yeah. revival of their era. But yeah. I just it just always sounded so vanilla and corporate to me it just sounded like <laughs> it always just sounded like the the cheesecake factory of music like it just and never yeah, yeah it's it well like yeah i was on i was i felt that way about other bands that came out because of new uh, of uh blink 182 so sure. like newfound glory good charlotte fallout boy i was like no that's like the that's the squeaky clean corporate version of blink 182 <laughs> yeah and now I like those bands even so. <laughs> so so is so tell me why Jimmy Eat World is the basis of this podcast. Uh so uh, be, Justin and I both our second favorite band is Jimmy Eat World. It's both of your second favorite band. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. I think we talked about that in the preview episode like everyone's either going to love us or hate us. Uh basically I love them. I know all the words to every song at every concert. I see them anytime they're in LA. And Justin pretty much the same as well. But there's things that we don't know about. Like, we don't know, like, like to put it this way, he probably knows River's dog's name if River's has a dog. And I definitely know Mark Oppis's dog's name. And it's like, we don't know anything about our second favorite band. So now we're going to spend a ridiculous amount of time learning each song and all the background to each song. And by the end of the show, maybe we'll know the band a little bit better. <laughs> and... uh and both of our wives' favorite band is Jimmy Eat World. So, <laughs> okay, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I just spent the last hour listening to the song, and like, uh, I think it's beautiful. I think it's like uh, just musically, like it kind of lives for me. It lives kind of outside of that pop punk thing. Like it kind of feels yeah. a little, um, uh, like it's it's. It's mostly instrumental. Like, I see that there are lyrics to it, but it feels like it's mostly an instrumental. Yeah, it feels it, it's definitely has. I would say that especially for somebody like you um, who was familiar with a big hit, forgotten the big hit. And at this point is just sort of coming back in. I'll give you a little bit of background on the song. You're being very also, generous saying that I'm coming back in. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the sense of like... Um, uh, that uh, it's kind of fun to have you on sort of sight unseen. Here's yeah. here's, here's a, a song. song from, and I'll give you some background. This is an EP. This did not get released on a record. This was like an EP between records that actually is like amazing in and of itself. But I would say that this song is a good thesis for the band in terms of sonically the things that they do. There was an album before Jimmy Eat War, uh, before, uh, Bleed American called Clarity that was way 
like all those instrumental parts from this song that you kind of think are hauntingly beautiful exist a lot on Clarity and sort of a lot from this EP going forward in their catalog. They had like the 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 pop punk mall punk uh, middle phase with uh, Bleed American and even Futures is a little bit that, but even on those albums, there are definitely these sort of hauntingly beautiful moments. So it's funny now I'm gonna like clinch. Uh, to that phrase that you said, because it's a perfect encapsulation of yeah, I mean it is like how it, they write music. It kind of um, the image that kept going through my head was like Midsummer Night's Dream. Like that's kind of what it feels like to me. It felt yeah very college. It felt very romantic. It felt. Yeah. It's almost like if you take the middle video where there's a big house party with pool jumping and everything. This is like. After the party, it's like you and a girl driving home yes. at night almost, right? <laughs> That's a really good image. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Because it feels like uh, just from the lyrics, you know, and I was kind of listening. The thing that popped out of me was um, was the uh, the drive faster part. The um, Yeah. What's the... Oh, every day I go, I uh, get a little closer, dear, going to drive fast all night till I get there. And that like... I don't know that, that um, it was very uh, evocative and it felt uh, romantic and sweet and it felt like a conversation between like two young sort of first time lovers, first time uh, couple. That's what it felt like to me. Oh, man. Was there anything else you want to pitch before we get going? What are, what are we going to get going on? What's our what's the well, meat of this podcast? Are we done with our interview? Or? Yeah, yeah. It, it sort of just gets tacked on to the end of the episode. So oh, Justin I want to know more talk. about the song. Oh, I, I don't know enough. I haven't done the research yet. We haven't even recorded that episode yet. Okay. We're, uh, we're, uh, uh, all I know is that it's on, and this is the beauty of the podcast, is I know it's on an EP that was between albums, <laughs> and I don't even know who produced it. It could have been Mark Trombino. I don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my takeaway from it is that I thought it was really musically beautiful, and uh, wow. I'm going to look a little bit more into Jimmy World. I wish I was yeah. generally more of a music guy, and that like I, you know, I, I've never really done like deep dives into. Well, what are you usually into? Maybe I can choose one of their records. I mean, like... look, generally, what I listen to will be um, a lot of like funk and soul and Motown, and conversely, I also like. I also like standards. I like the Sammy Davis mm-hmm. Juniors and the Frank Sinatras of the world because it's very melodic and very like yeah, kind sure. of um, kind of has a, a good attitude about it. Uh, that's generally who yeah. I so am. they're like yeah. Jimmy World's a pop band, but if you're into this song, I would say that Clarity, uh, which is their album from like '99, um, uh, the album before Bleed American, might have even been earlier than '99 maybe 98. And then their other album that recently came out, well, two years ago now called Integrity Blues um, is more of that sort of like nighttime drive, beautiful type stuff. And they have plenty of songs in their catalog that sort of fit that bill. But I think the, I think we chose a good one for you, man. I really liked it. I think um, one of the things that I wanted to bring up, cause it was like, it was, it's been on my mind the last couple of days. I was thinking about Tracy Chapman, uh, do you remember a uh, fast car? I remember give me one reason or something like that was her big song, yeah. right? There was that, but there was also fast car. Oh yeah. Um, that I always like was super in love with that song because it's, you know, it's so bleak, but it's got such a strong message and it's like telling this incredible story and like everything kind of unfolds as it goes. And, um, just that lyric, like we were talking about, um, the, from the last, uh, 
uh, chorus, the, you know, every day I get a little closer deer, going to drive fast all night till I get there. I just kind of, I felt a connection between those two things. Yeah. Just because I've been listening to that they, song. Uh, Jimmy Eat World's really good at nodding to their influences. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's not to say that that's not a nod to that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, uh, they're two very different genres, but like, um, you know, I don't see why why they wouldn't uh, be nodding to her. I mean, she yeah. was just always incredible. Um, yeah, the other place people can find me if they want to hear more of my hilarious musings and hear about how funny I am. I'm on <laughs> Twitter and Instagram uh, at GJ Barron. So Gil Joseph Barron, G-J-B-A-R-O-N. I'm on Instagram and uh, and Twitter. That's you, how you find I, me. It's funny because I follow you. Most of the time I'm seeing your Facebook posts, which are actually like some are absolutely hilarious. And then some are like insanely earnest and like honest. Ah. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, my brand. Uh, your McDonald's story from the other week. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, do you want to get into that? Do you want to do a real interview and talk? Okay, about yeah, that? let's talk about the McDonald's story. Oh, yes. This is, um, you know, I've I have this really shitty car. And, um, and it, uh, it'll sometimes just not start. And the fix to it is not go to a, a mechanic and get it fixed. Cause I've been to mechanics and they don't know what the hell's wrong. But like the fix is always go away for 20 minutes, come back and the car will start on its own. It's <laughs> not, it's not that the batteries died. It's not anything's gone wrong. It's just the car has decided no, not now. What's the make and model of this vehicle and the year? Um, it's a and two- a license plate number in the video. <laughs> it's that. a yeah. 2005 Camry. Oh wow! I'm surprised that it's uh, doing poorly. I know people say Camrys are really good, but this one is just uh, terrible. You got the worst one, right? And I just I don't have the ability to buy anything new. This is what I'm stuck with right now, right? So uh, I walked uh, away from my comic book store, which is where I went to. Um, the, where the car stopped and I walked into uh, I walked around this neighborhood and it's in Burbank, which is kind of a food desert. You know, you kind of have to walk many, many blocks to find something when you're in the middle of um, Burbank. Um, yeah. And like I, I p- passed by a Chinese food restaurant that was closed down and the sushi place was closed for the <laughs> afternoon. And the only thing that was open was McDonald's. I'm like, okay, I'll go sit in a McDonald's for a few minutes and whatever. So I go and I kind of sit in the back corner and um, uh, the next booth next to me is this older Asian man. And he had like long nails and long hair and he kind of looked like, you know, uh, he just he looked like your stereotype of like a mystic old Asian man, you know, and it's and I feel bad saying that, but that's kind of what he looked like. And I was like, OK, not being judgmental about it, just like, oh, that's what a guy with an interesting look. But then I realized that something was actually wrong because he was um, kind of mumbling to himself and and barking and he would stand up and sit back down and um, laugh to himself. And, you know, it was a little scary. Um, And, you know, I think mental health is um, it's just something like we all have to be thinking about and cognizant of and sensitive to. Because this guy was obviously, he was homeless and uh, and he had these uh, mental issues, whatever his actual clinical issue was. And, you know, I was like eating my thing, but just sort of uh, being 
aware of where this guy was in the restaurant. And uh, I noticed this girl sitting on the other side of him. There was sort of a partition and this girl was sitting on the other side of him. But she had already been done eating. She was um, just on her phone or writing or I don't know what she was doing. Um, but she, she and I started making eye contact, you know, and she was like, you know, every time this guy would make a noise or stand up or something, she would kind of make eye contact with me like, oh, my God, this is kind yeah. of scary, right? And I think what anyone would have done, I when I finished my meal, I popped over to her and I was just like, hey, are you okay? You know, but I saw she wasn't eating anything. So I was going to say, like, you should leave. Like, let, right. <clears throat> like, let this guy, you know, do what he has to do. Like, he's going to. You know, but maybe he he might be dangerous. He might not be dangerous, but he very well might be dangerous, right? <clears throat> so, so you should leave is basically what I was saying to her, and uh, and she was like, someone should get that guy out of here. Someone should make that guy leave, and that like really surprised me because I was right. I was like, I don't understand what you mean by someone should make this guy leave. And she was like. You know, he's making people uncomfortable. Like, he's not allowed to be here. Here He should go. And I just was, you know, there but for the grace of God go I is, like, the a phrase that I say a lot. Yeah. I, I, you know, we live in L.A. We see homeless people all the time. And if you're not super hyper aware of your own privilege, then you're blind, you know? Like, it's... it's yeah. We grew up with tremendous advantages. And... You know, I don't know if you're a comic book guy, but, you know, there's that the the killing joke, the thing the Joker says in it. You know, all it takes is two bad days or three bad days. Yeah. To take you from country club to madhouse. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, I don't know what's going on in that guy's life. It could be chemical imbalance. It could have been drugs. It could be PTSD. It could be a million other things. But there's nothing that guy's going through that I can't imagine myself going through. Totally. And so I kind of said to her, I was like, well, I don't know where you think he's going to go. Cause the, the image that popped in my head is just this old man getting sunburned, walking around the streets of Burbank. And I don't see why that's better. I don't yeah. see why that's better than him being in a McDonald's. And, yeah. you know, maybe everyone should like in the McDonald's be careful of him and make sure they have their eyes on him. And maybe someone should make sure an ambulance comes and takes him to the hospital to make sure he's okay. Maybe. But I think just saying, Hey, go away is, is just, it's the easiest solution. And it's the thing that like we all do every day, all the time, you know, yep. we all see people that scare us in our, Reaction, our first instinct is always to say, oh, I wish that that person was gone from this space. I wish that person wasn't here. Yeah. I'll tell you another story. And I know we're getting into like minute 45 or whatever. <laughs> so I'm sure you're going to cut this all down. But it'd be um, a super chunk. Yeah. Um, there, I have a story about at CSUN, my very first day in my very first film class. I think it was still a prereq before we'd gotten into the program. Um, I was sitting in a class and this guy came in with an ad slip for the class and he was a burn victim and he was a severe mm. burn victim. I mean, he was walking, he was on his hands. I mean, he was on his feet, um, but his skin was really severely damaged. You know, I don't, I, it's, it's an image that I have from, you know, this is 15 years ago, but the image I have in my head of is like is a guy that his, his nose may have been gone, you know? Um, yeah. 
And I remember, you know, he had an ad slip for this class and he was just a kid trying to take a college class. And I remember feeling uncomfortable and I remember feeling scared, but I remember the teacher also talking the guy out of taking the class. And I remember that, I remember that feeling so shitty Like, this is just a guy who's trying to live, who wants to fulfill his dream of being a filmmaker. And I don't know the guy. I don't know who he was. I never had a conversation with him. And I know that my feelings weren't, you know, the most woke feelings to have. But I was 19 and I was scared. And, you know, I feel guilt for the way I felt. But I also feel tremendous guilt for the the way that this guy was treated by that teacher. You aren't the person convincing him not to take the class, though. You know what I mean? Your feelings are your own feelings in your in your head, but you knew well enough to know that, man, that's really shitty. It is shitty, but this is just a memory I have. And, you know, if the guy had gotten into the class and if he had been in my filmmaking group and we had made a movie together, all of those fears and all of those anxieties would have gone away. But I yeah. think it's a human instinct of, like, you see someone who's different um, and you're scared of it. Yeah. And I think. And here we are 15 years later and it's kind of like, fuck, that dude's got an awesome story to tell. And <laughs> You know what I mean? Which Who's got an awesome story to tell? That guy? The, guy the, 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 the student that got turned down. Does he have an awesome story to tell? Probably. I hope so. I, I hope he found a way to tell it. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, that's what shit. That's what that's what my takeaway from that story is, is that he probably didn't. And that's what's shitty. But here we are 15 years later. You're a producer. I'm an editor. And I'm thinking. Man, that guy probably did have a rad story to tell. And hopefully he got to tell it. I hope so. I, you know, I think that it's just like I was saying before, there but for the grace of God go I. There could have, there very easily could have been an accident in my home growing up. There could, you know, anything could have happened to either of us growing up where that could have been us. And I think that anyone who's listening to this, who, if that story touches you, if that story makes you you know, think about like, Hey, it always could have been you. I hope that you think about volunteering in your neighborhood with, uh, you know, uh, people who are disabled or people who are homeless or, or giving a little bit of money to, um, organizations that support, uh, people who are disabled or homeless. I think, you know, the special Olympics is a, is a fantastic organization that's still around and it's great to volunteer at. And I used to volunteer when I was in high school there and, um, you know, the LA Food Bank is a great organization that feeds uh, underserved families across the city. So that's essentially just what I wanted to say. No, yeah, that's great, man. That's good. I think the thesis of everything is that we should all feel a little bit closer. And Gil, I feel much closer to you after this conversation. Thank you. I, I feel the exact same way. Yeah, man. I uh, look, your audience can follow our show. It's at your late night, and that's on all of the social medias. So on Facebook, you can search your late night show tonight, and you'll get all the latest news about our show and the dates that we are. We're usually the second Friday of the month, but you know things might be changing in the future. So just uh, keep your eyes on our on our Instagram and on our Twitter and on our Facebook. That's awesome. Have you guys had musical guests? Always. We always have musical oh, guests. Oh, nice. Have you had Jimmy Eat World yet? Yes. We, they were on our first show. <laughs> well, no, no, you're joking. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I would have been like, how did I not know about that I show? I don't see why they wouldn't do it, though. It's a great show. It gets yeah. a big audience. Well, thanks, man. And uh, hopefully you'll uh, listen back on this show and enjoy it fondly and listen to some more Jimmy Eat World. 
Absolutely. I absolutely will. Awesome.